Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Now it's time for Cannabis Talk 101 with Blue, Joe Grande, and Mark and Craig Wasserman, the Pop Brothers-in-Law, with special guest Dr. Danny Gordon, author of the CBD Bible. Hello and welcome to Cannabis Talk 101. My name is Blue. Alongside of me are the world-famous Pop Brothers-in-Law, Mr. Mark and Craig Wasserman. Hello! <laughs> well, you can't say hi, Craig. I mean, you're hey, Blue, what's Welcome up? Welcome to the show, yeah, Craig. Not, you normally go right to Joe. Well, I was I was looking at you. I was hoping you were going to jump in He was in looking here. at you, and Craig's just looking at the guest going, Hi, uh, Dr. Danny. <laughs> I saw Marv. I saw little brother's camera went off, so it threw me. Oh, okay. We also I thought have... we cut him off already. <laughs> we might. We also, we also have this amazing specimen next to me, Mr. Joe Grande. Thank you very much, Blue. It's a pleasure to be sitting next to you. Yes, thank you, sir. I appreciate you as well. And Joe, why don't you let everybody in the world know exactly what's going on? Cannabis well, Talk. It's funny that you say the world because this feels like a world interview. I want to thank is. everyone for listening to our podcast, Cannabis Talk 101, all over the world. Thank you very much. If you ever want to call into the show, 800 420 1980. Craig, we have a lot of Spanish listeners, so please give it in Espanol. Ocho zero zero cuatro dos zero uno nuevo ocho zero. In blue, in Puerto Rican English. It's one eight hundred four twenty nineteen eighty guys. <laughs> and Mark, do you have it down yet? Shmoni Fs Fs Shmoni Shmoni Fs Echat Shmoni Fs Fs. Wow. 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 You really oh, graduated from Hebrew class. That's Hebrew. I was gonna say, is that Hebrew? Wow. Yes. And and that sexy voice that you hear right what, what, there. She needs to say it from her. Uh, oh what? yeah, can you say it with a real English accent, Dr. Danny Gordon? It's well, I'm a Canadian transplant, so unfortunately, <laughs> I'm a little bit limited. Well, it does sound like it, and that voice right there is Dr. Danny Gordon. She is a double board certified medical doctor and one of the world's leading expert in clinical cannabinoid medicine after treating thousands of complex Referral patients in Canada, as she said, she's from Canada. She consults widely in the UK and internationally, sits on an advisory boards, you know, helps set up cannabis medicine clinics and trains physicians. She's also involved in cannabis clinic research, nonprofit and advocacy advocacy work, as uh, as well as drug policy reforms. Her new book, which uh, 
Mark and I read quite a bit of is called the CBD Bible. Yes. Welcome, Dr. Danny Gordon from across the pond in London to Cannabis Talk 101. Hey. Welcome. Thank you for having me, guys. All right. No, it is so awesome to have you. First off, how did this even happen? How did we find you? Because after <laughs> reading your book, I, see, I think it was you, right, Mark? Did you find her or did she find you? Yeah, it was on uh, via LinkedIn. Yeah. We got a we got a message on our LinkedIn page about this awesome doctor who's an expert in cannabis and cannabinoids and the whole nine yards, and uh, I immediately reached back out and said we got to get get this doctor on the show. And uh, they were kind enough to send us that screener book that uh, I I dove I dove right into it. I'm not gonna lie, I went right to the sex chapter. Of course, as, yeah. as does everybody. <laughs> well, clearly you did too, and I'll doctor. Tell you, I have implemented uh, a higher dose of edibles in the last two weeks, and it has been amazing for me and my wife. Oh, uh, really? Cool. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So wait, I mean, so let's let's specify that because not all of us got to read it like you did and, 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 and understood it the same. So let's dive into that a little bit more, Mark. I mean, is this something that she had wrote in her book that she suggested you've done and, and it worked? I mean, can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, so so in the book it it, it suggests that the use of you know, C B D, THC, and everybody's gonna be different. You're gonna have yeah. to figure it out for yourself. That was one of the the, the main themes throughout the book when you're, you're using cannabis because of the nature of the studies and the anecdotal evidence that we all know about, you've got to kind of play with it and try it. As everyone on our panel knows, I consume a lot and I have a <laughs> high tolerance. High tolerance. Um, but I, I started consuming more after I read your book to try to help with my sleep. Yeah. But I found the offshoot was my sexual prowess and stamina just mm-hmm. went through the roof. Wow. Uh, and I, it, it was uh, it was very amazing. And I wasn't prowess really, really? expecting all that. <laughs> and I'm hoping that you can kind of shed some more light on it for us. Well, I mean, I'm glad to hear you've had excellent results because, of course, also in that chapter, we talked about not having what I call a sex fail which is some people who have a very low tolerance to high THC cannabis, try cannabis for the first time um, right in the moment, you know, not really trying it beforehand and end up feeling the opposite of sexy or paranoid or having kind of, you know, the, the opposite response that you would want. So it's exactly true that everyone's dose is different. Some people prefer high CBD because it relaxes them. Some people really like the effects of THC. Um, and our brains respond to THC differently for each person. And some people are very different. So some people's um, way that their brain kind of interacts with, with THC, they can handle a lot of THC and feel completely unimpaired versus other people like me. If I have a little bit of THC, it really affects me. So um, I really stick with the CBD side of things most of the time for me. And my husband's somewhere in between. So everyone's really different. Very nice. So I know Mark's like to skip right to the sex part. Yeah. That's but why don't you tell us a little bit of how did you get into studying cannabinoids and cannabis and CBD? And so and... well certified. You have like every certification imaginable. It's amazing. So how, how did you. you how did you get into that? 
Well, I started out as a medical doctor and I was always interested in natural medicine. So I went on to do a fellowship in integrated medicine in the States, which is basically evidence-based natural medicine, including plant medicine, botanical medicine. Um, and I really got into cannabis specifically quite late. I'd been using other plant medicines, botanicals alongside drugs in a conventional medical practice setting for uh, you know, the last decade. And my patients were using cannabis for years in Canada, but until relatively recently, it was really difficult to actually prescribe cannabis, as you guys all know, um, because before we had kind of registered products with Health Canada, there was just kind of grow your own. So my patients were growing their own. They were treating themselves for chronic pain, for cancer pain, for all kinds of things. And because I do natural medicine as well as normal stuff, they, they talked to me about it and I got really curious and they were getting all these really interesting effects. Um, and then I became a chronic pain patient myself. I had a really bad accident, shattered my hand. Oh, I started wow. using it topically. And then I just kind of took the leap and added it to my practice um, at the time, which felt quite bold because most of my colleagues thought it was completely insane to add this to a conventional medicine practice. And um, there was a lot of fear around you know, adding this as, as a therapeutic that someone might um, try to disbar me from medicine or I might, you know, I don't know, make someone really lazy or cause psychosis. There was all kinds of, you know, things that um, we've been taught and kind Leap of brainwashed into with our medical. Sure. It kind of, it kind of goes against the grain. I mean, for, for most physicians and people that are in the, in the, in uh, doctors and things like that, they, they, they've never utilized it. So a lot of times I, I've talked to a lot of doctors and they, they're afraid to prescribe well, they never it. They're taught it in to, school. Well, the, quote unquote, no, in the school that they went to, the endocannabinoid system didn't exist. So they didn't really know how to, how to bring it up. And, and, and I think yeah. that's, uh, you know, you're when, when one you of the When you say they didn't exist, Blue, and I'm just wondering, do you think that, and I don't know if you know, but maybe I'm sure Dr. Danny does. Did they not talk about the cannabinoid system when you're going to become a doctor? They, they didn't even no, bring it up, so right? It was discovered in 1989-1990, but it didn't filter into medical school. So I started my training in 2004-2005 and in medical school after my other degrees, and I graduated in 2009. So that's over a decade ago. There was nothing. And even still now, we're just seeing um, mainstream medical schools start to introduce the endocannabinoid system. So it's been a 30-year lag between some of the first lectures. And I've been blessed enough to deliver some of these lectures in the UK um, at some of the top universities. And Professor David Knott, who's a big uh, drug researcher over here, he has done a program recently. Um, and it's, it's trickling down, but it's taken 30 years. So of course, that's why doctors doesn't, don't think it works. They think it's, um, they think it's you know, snake oil. They think it's um, very dangerous, very high risk. They, you know, if you ask some doctors, they think cannabis is in the same risk category as uh, cocaine or heroin. So it's really um, misunderstood uh, within the medical profession even still today. And what's, what's crazy, though, is granted there's a 30-year lag from when they discovered it, but my God, it's been in our systems forever. Since we were born, right? Right. I mean, it's been around since as long as we've well, been around. Well, breast breast they, milk. I mean, the fact that only 30 years ago they discovered it is crazy. Yeah, I mean, we, of course, you know, the cannabinoids we get from plants, they're called phytocannabinoids. They're similar to, yes, the natural chemicals our brain and body produces in this endocannabinoid system. Um, and yeah, it's, it, you know, one of the theories <coughs> when you talk to plant scientists is that 
we, um, we kind of evolved over thousands and thousands of years alongside certain plants in our environment. And that's potentially why we can use certain plant medicines like cannabinoids and other botanical medicines that they work with in our own bodies because our bodies kind of adapted and kind of evolved with these plants with similar, similar chemicals. Um, so it's really interesting. Wow. What do you think it's going to take for the medical community as a whole to embrace cannabis finally? Well, I think there's lots of different things that need to happen. I do a lot of volunteer nonprofit work on that side of things. So I sit on about 10 different committees. Um, some of them are drug policy committees for government groups. Um, some of them are just physician support groups, nonprofit groups. Um, and I think it's a mix of education for doctors, education for the public. Um, you know, research, we need, we definitely need more research. I'm, I'm all about more research, but just because we don't have, yes. you know, these huge clinical trials yet, it, I don't think that means we should not use cannabis medicines for another 10 years, sure. because what's everyone going to do in the meantime, these children with epilepsy and chronic people with chronic pain. And so I think there's research, it's education, and then we have to have law and legislation changes because, you know, if, if it's not supported on the legal side, then also things don't change. It just comes around in this like ivory cycle of research, 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 and it doesn't get fed back into the system. Doctor, when, when, when was the time that you, that you decided, wait a minute, this is, this is really happening. I really need to investigate it myself. I need to figure it out. When, when was it for you? What was your oh wow moment? You know, maybe share that with some of our listeners because a lot of, I think a lot of people are waiting for that oh wow moment in their own life to cross over so if you can share that with us, that'd be great. Yeah. So I think part of it was gradual because like I said, I've always been interested in plant medicine. I'm trained in plant medicine as well as normal, you know, conventional medicine. But I think the real turning point for me was um, in 2015 when I had my accident and um, I had two partially successful surgeries on my hand. Um, I still, you know, cannabis hasn't cured my anatomical hand problem. I still have no ligaments left in this wrist. But um, basically, I, I got hit by a motorcycle and flew through the air in a Superman position and shattered my wrist. Um, so, so yeah, that was that was not ideal. Um, and I was told by surgeons on multiple continents. I saw the top people in, I saw the top person in Singapore where I originally had the injury in Asia when I was traveling. Then I saw the top person in Canada and the top person in the UK. And they all kind of said, yeah, you're going to have to take pain medicine for the rest of your life. This is never going to get better. Mm. Um, and I had really bad nerve pain. I had nerve damage. And in the end, I just didn't want to take any of that stuff because I'd seen what I'd done to my patients. And I ended up trying topical cannabis at my medical conference, at my integrated medicine conference. And a colleague who was already researching it at the time said, you know, you should go get a sample from those guys because it's legal here. And I just started using it topically for a week. And my patients have been telling me this for years, of course. So I got back to Canada, <laughs> had to leave it in California because I couldn't take it over the border. And well, well, I wasn't sure but... if I could. So yeah. I just didn't. Just well, you're not supposed to. Wink, yeah. wink, nudge, you're not nudge. supposed to. This yeah. is just cream. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, I got back to Canada and that was the turning point. That's where I was like, okay, right. I'm already, I was already coaching my patients who are using cannabis and growing it to try to get higher CBD or, you know, more THC and try to help them and coach them. Right. But it was more from a harm reduction capacity. And that's when I made the shift and joined a clinic who was prescribing cannabis. Um, and I started prescribing it as part of my integrated medicine practice, basically. And my patients, of course, were like, duh, we've been telling you this for years. <laughs> that is awesome. So, so you, so you can... Problems or legal hurdles you had, to, you had to worry about 
when you were going to be, uh, you know, telling people to use this? That's, you know, it's one of it's the fear, I think, that's instilled into us as physicians. Um, and I have quite an academic background. I'm also a published researcher. So I think it was the fear more than the actual legal action. And um, my husband, who, is, who helps me run my practice, and he's not a doctor. He's more on, like, the business tech side. He was just like, you just got to go for it. This is what you believe in. This is going to help your patients. Um, there's, no, there's nothing they can do to you legally as long as you're practicing good medicine, which I was. So I really went about it in a very systematic way. I only took referred patients from other doctors. My letters back to the doctors who referred them were, you know, nine pages long kind of thing. So I probably went over the top um, and nothing bad ever happened to me. I've never been reported to the college. Um, I've never had any black marks against my, my record professionally. Um, but there, there's a lot of fear mongering that that's going to happen to doctors. And when I now I, I, I volunteer a lot of my time to mentor colleagues who are just starting and they're petrified of getting their license taken away. And, you know, people have to remember, like we trained for 15 years and to have the potential that your whole career oh, can be taken be away. And most doctors go into medicine because they just want to help people. And then you just can't help your patients at all. That's like really scary. So. Um, I think uh, most of it, as you know, as a lawyer, uh, both of you guys are lawyers, it, 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 there's not a lot they can do legally as long as you're practicing good medicine. Um, and that's really my message to doctors who are starting, like, look, we can, we can, I can give you information, I can give you advice on how to practice, so you're not in um, any kind of legal quagmires. Well, guys, it's Cannabis Talk 101. When we come back, Dr. Danny Gordon, you won't want to miss this. We'll be right back. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. 
With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back. So, Doctor, you know, I, I love where you're going with this. And, and so, you know, I'm listening to, to your story about how it actually feels like it, it's, it, you know, actually helped you personally, this plant, you know, with your own um, pains and the things that you've been through. That's the through. key part, too, of life, right? Once you get a personal touch to something, you're like, oh, I believe in this now. Well, and again, again, Doctor, for, for you saying it, you know, I, I, I love it because... You know, a lot of doctors will never prescribe it, I think, you know, until it's and just till it's federally legal, until it's it's forced on them. You know, and then you have the, the you know, the, the people like yourself that have actually experienced something. And w- one key thing that resonated well with me is that you've had patients, you know, tell you, hey, this helps me. And you're going, you know, probably telling just the opposite. Like you're, you're, you're probably just... Uh, At the beginning too, going, I don't know, I don't know. And now you're like... Hey, let me tell you about something <laughs> that's crazy. And and something that you touched on as we're talking to Dr. Danny Gordon, you can see her website at drdannygordon.com. And that's D-R-D-A-N-I-G-O-R-D-O-N. And you speak internationally about CBD and cannabis at conferences, trade shows, and you've been featured in the Sunday Times, The Guardian, Forbes, BBC Television and Radio, uh, Fast Company, Vogue, The Telegraph, and many more publications. And you've been talking about research, and you mentioned it earlier on the show as you're a part of a lot of research blue and i have been on the research side since jump street mark and craig are more just use cannabis however you can smoke it do this i've always been i want to see the research and this is what i'm asking you when do you think you'll see something like this happen which is if you take, or better yet, if I, I'll use myself as an anecdotal person if i take four advils i know my pain level goes down when are we going to see something or is there research being looked at going, if you take a two to one CBD, if you eat this many grams of edibles and you're 250 pounds or more, this should help for that type of pain. Is that type of research being structured and looked at right now? Absolutely. And it's it's really complex because basically what you have in conventional medicine is you have the conventional drug way of drug funnel, basically. So most drugs have a single active ingredient. And it's easy to put those in studies because you're just looking at one active ingredient. But herbal cannabis, of course, has hundreds of active ingredients. So it's tricky. So there's a few different ways to approach it. There's something called real world evidence or real world data. And the FDA has actually released a whole paper on it a few years ago. So, you know, that's really good news because This is actually telling us that the regulatory bodies are interested in expanding what they consider good research or acceptable research. So what that actually means in English is they're starting to accept things like patient self-report data. So patients are saying, I'm going to check, do this questionnaire online of, of how my pain is improving with my cannabis. And this is the strain I'm using. And this is the CBD THC ratio. And, and, um, all that data is getting tracked. The, a lot of people tracking that data, are, of course, are private companies, which, 
there's nothing wrong with that. But of course, it has to come from academia as well, because that's a trusted standard and it's unbiased and this kind of thing. So it is starting in academia as well. So there's two sides to the research. There's the herbal cannabis, which has to use real world data. So it has to look at how people are responding to the therapy because trying to isolate what of the hundred compounds from this particular strain is completely almost scientifically impossible. And then you have the other side of it where um, scientists and researchers are separating the cannabinoids out like CBD and THC, uh, what we saw with Epidiolex, the, the, you know, the drug that was approved um, by the FDA for epilepsy. And then you can isolate each compound and study how that specifically works. And people always say, well, which do you prefer? Oh, I say, well, of course, both, because real world data um, helps us help patients now. And the, the single kind of isolated compounds from the cannabis plant also help us understand um, from a more longer term perspective and help eventually make more um, drugs available for people that are, are a bit more natural than sometimes what has already been, been pres prescribed to them. So real world data would be the same as anecdotal? It's a good question. So anecdotal data is at the bottom of the, what's called the evidence pyramid. Correct. So it's the worst kind of real world, real world data. So real world data is this big, huge it. thing. It can be observational data. It can be um, huge data sets from um, people who are of a similar background and in similar kind of age group. And they have the same medical problem. They're using the same strain. So there's all kinds of ways of collecting real world data. And some are better than others. Is How that what, is, is that so what Project 2021? Yes, I'm an advisor to Project 2021, and I sit on uh, Professor David Nutt's committee for drug science. So that is the biggest, we aim for it to be the biggest real-world data collection, and it's going to be taking place in the UK. It's already started, uh, the first small sets. So we hope that that will make uh, quite an impact. And then there's other people from Professor Nutt's group who are working on other data like cost effectiveness data, which is really important to get governments to adopt this in a public health system. Let me ask you this, and I, not to belabor the anecdotal evidence, because we use that quite a bit, and I want to make sure we're using it in the proper context. When I'm reading your bio and I'm reading about Project 2021, it basically is a registry that aims to enroll 20,000 patients by the end of 2021 and create the largest body of evidence for the effectiveness and tolerability of medical cannabis. So is that not patients going into a registry and saying, I did this, I did that, I'm better now? Is Yes, in a controlled way. So those are patients who have seen um, a specialist doctor here in the UK, many of who I've mentored and trained actually, because it's quite new here still, um, for medical cannabis specifically. And they've had what's called, they call them validated questionnaire tools. So basically it's a really specific way of asking people questions about how they're responding to a therapy. So it's been done in a medical clinic context and it's been collected in a really um, rigorous fashion, a really kind of controlled specific way. Um, and that makes the data more valuable because we can know more that, know more about the data's uh, trustworthiness, so, so to speak. Um, so yeah, that is really the goal of the project, and um, hopefully we will be able to to meet those those numbers. As opposed to, <laughs> as opposed to, I took cannabis, I feel better. Right. That's anecdotal. I'm guessing. That's that's why that that's why it's not controlled. You don't have your 
your, uh, your your questionnaires that have been, you know, at length, you know, come up with and put in different categories. And Dr. Danny, at the beginning of your book, you actually used the word. You had a lot of patients give you anecdotal evidence. And I seen that word. I almost called you when I was reading the book going, dude, she used <laughs> anecdotal evidence in her book at the beginning. Yeah. So well, well, that's probably you know, where I it started. You, you know, you have to remember, so you have to start somewhere. Every breakthrough in medicine over thousands of years has started with a case report. Someone saying this worked for me. And then you say, well, why, why did it work? Is it going to work for the next person the same way? And you just kind of work your way back and back and back, but you have to start somewhere. I got a question about smoking cannabis because we've seen studies that it's harmful for your lungs. There's studies that it's good for your lungs. What's what comment on that and your take on that? So the evidence is what we call conflicted which means we don't really know, um, <laughs> which is, of course, something- Thanks, Dr. Danny. We're not sure. We just don't, we just don't say that we know. But um, yeah, so basically what I tell my patients is when you burn any plant material, it's generally not so great for the lungs because it creates um, you know, burned material. It creates inflammatory compounds, that kind of thing. But cannabis as a plant, of course, also has a lot of anti-inflammatory compounds too. So that's why we think we don't see the same- um, rates of lung cancer and lung disease that we see with cigarette smoking that we do with, with, you know, smoking cannabis. Um, but for medical and wellness purposes, then of course I always recommend people use a vaporizer, um, and use the lowest temperature setting that they can find helps them. Now, of course, some people find that the higher temperature settings, because you get different, uh, cannabinoid profiles kind of vaporizing off at different temperatures might be more effective for their pain, but I always have them to start at a lower temperature and then work their way up for um, harm reduction type stuff. You know, in your professional opinion, what, what do you think the, the, the best way to, um, to to ingest it is or, or to take in cannabis? I mean, is it going to be smoking? Is it going to be the, you know, uh, the tinctures or, you know, what, what, do you, what do you think the future of it looks like? Again, for the medical side and the wellness side, certainly there's a variety of ways to take it depending on what effect you want to have. So for someone who has a chronic condition that they need constant relief and they might have been on opioid painkillers before, I want them on a low level of like a long acting formula. So that could be something like a tincture they take by mouth. That could be a patch that's transdermal through the skin, which is kind of a newer technology that's coming out now, but it's pretty new still. Um, that could be some of these high-tech formulations that come in a pill form that are kind of teched up to release the cannabinoids more slowly into a bloodstream. And then after that, when people have pain crises or they have muscle spasm and they need immediate relief, then the inhaled way is really effective because it, 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 it's onset. It's like five minutes. So you inhale the cannabis. Five minutes later, usually you will have an effect. Um, so usually I say baseline of a long acting, just like most drugs actually for pain control. And then, um, for, for rescue therapy inhaled is very uh, effective. So, so many patients, you've seen thousands of them. And now I want to sit in Dr. Danny Gordon's office and say, your patient is Joe Grande. And I've had two hip surgeries. I have a bad ankle, Dr. Gordon. And when I say I have a bad ankle, I've been scheduled for surgery on it because I cracked it in eighth grade. It's been ongoing. I now have arthritis in my hips. I've been currently using CBD on a daily basis and cream. My pain level went from, I would say at its worst, about an eight to a consistent three to four. You know, and I live and I walk and I buckle sometimes when I'm walking. I have a legal handicap sticker. And I'm just wondering, you know, being an old athlete, you know, 48 
athlete and I played football, rugby, every sport you could imagine wrestling growing up. Is there anything else that I should be in consuming besides the daily use of CBD? And is there a special CBD that I should be using a different ratio? Because I'm using pretty much, a, you know, 0.03 uh, on the THC side. And I'm using the cream that does have THC. So that's kind of my protocol. I'm wondering if I can get a consult back now. <laughs> wait, wait, but wait, but wait. You, you forgot about the, the worst problem you have. Having you next to me? <laughs> well, well, I was going to say that thing that's wrong with your brain. Doctor, be, before you answer that, doctor, did you ask him, uh, please ask him for his copay. <laughs> <laughs> it, does, it doesn't work in well, London. I get free advice from London right now. Medical advice on social media, as I have to say many times. But um, if you were my patient and you came to me, this is a really typical pain consultation that I would receive. So it really depends on quite a few factors. The first one is more from a legal perspective. Do you have to um, do a safety sensitive job during the day? Because if the answer is yes, then the THC being kept really low is probably important for most people. Maybe I should add that a couple being... more things, Dr. Danny. I've also sure. been sober 22 plus years. So I've been kind of negligent on, you know, consuming anything with a higher level. I should have put that in my consultation as well. And I, I did say, say I had that. the I two surgeries. Yeah. So that's why I've been, you know, but, but I'm not opposed to doing it from a medical standpoint, if it's going to help with my inflammation as it gets worse sometimes, like, you know, when it gets colder. Not opposed to throwing in the THC. Exactly. I'm not opposed to it for the medical standpoint. I'm just, uh, I'm not, but I am for myself opposed to just use it to feel better during the day or at night. I don't want to just feel better at night and and smoke a joint or something. You know what I mean? I want to feel better because I use it for medicine. I use it for pain relief. So I should have elaborated. I did say I had Slippery slope there, Exactly, right? Oh God, let me call my sponsor. No, no, that's, it's it's a great, that's actually a part of our intake form. Um, So by the Canadian practice that I was a part of, that's part of our intake is risk of, cannabis uh, addiction, um, past history of other, you know, substance use or misuse, um, because it helps us kind of counsel the patient sitting in front of us. So if I have someone who has been sober and they've had a past history with any substance, especially if it was cannabis, but it could be alcohol, it could be cocaine, whatever it was. It was all of the above. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So so poly, we call it poly substance. So, you know, in harm reduction capacity, um, we would want to start with exactly what you're currently doing with that kind of hemp level of high CBD, really low THC. Um, Now it gets trickier because people are not two dimensional. So, if I have a patient, I've had this before in my clinic that comes to me and they already have to take prescription opioids um, and they've had a history of struggling with substances, I want to get them off the opioids. Right. Or I at least want to be able to um, slowly reduce them down. Um, and that's when we usually talk about how bad is their pain. And um, oftentimes they're often medicating with substances like alcohol to help their pain and to help them get to sleep because they're in pain all the time and they can't sleep. So it's this whole matrix that gets quite tricky and we have to sit down and we have to say, what's the least harmful thing to do here? And sometimes we do use uh, medical cannabis with THC higher amounts, but I always buffer it with a lot of CBD. So the ratio is still quite high. Um, And I usually tell people, please don't smoke it and usually not inhaled if there's a past history of um, misuse or a, fam- a really strong family history of addiction because some people's brains are wired for that dopamine, that that feel-good reward chemical from any chemical, um, including cannabis. So if that is a factor 
we need better pain control, especially if they're having to self-medicate with alcohol or, um, or you know, strong sleeping pills or opioids. Then we start by keeping the CBD really high because we think that actually buffers the risk of addiction in the preliminary research, which is super cool. And then we add usually in the nighttime before they go to bed, a baseline of a long acting uh, one-to-one. So half CBD, half THC uh, oil or tincture that's going to be slow release. So they don't get the same reward to the brain, but they're getting that baseline pain relief that the THC can bring. Um, so that's usually my approach. And, you know, oftentimes I'm working with a psychiatrist who's involved or a psychologist who's involved in their care. So it's really this multi-dimensional team approach. Well, Blue's my psychiatrist and my therapist. So do you think a one-to-one would work good with Dr. Danny <laughs> as well? Yeah, you know, I think, I think the reality behind it is, is that um, I, I think it can help, you know, even for people that have addiction personalities, as long as they understand what they're going into, you well, know, and, and don't turn it into a slippery slope. Because, it, again, you, you can go get one well, day. Like she says that no, quick but, fix, though. Well, and that's what well, most addicts I, want, the quick fix. Right. And, and, what, and what she is uh, prescribing, though, is something far from that. Quick, yeah, exactly. It, it's, it really shows how... Because we've been told by other experts in the past that, you know, that's a concert effect with the CBD and the THC and the yes. THCA and all the different sub CBDs Correct. and THCs. And that it really, so this really shows by the, you know, taking a tincture, that slow release. So over the course of the evening or however long it's, you know, it's starting to work, not taking that hit and going, Oh, and then that could trigger your addiction and it could be a gateway back into the crack. Oh, yeah, I would. Yeah, exactly. And, and I don't think that yeah. cannabis is the quote unquote gateway, but I just know for me personally, no, but that's I, the, I like yeah, taking that's not the, my advice was and correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Danny. What I really heard from that is taking a one to one at night is probably the best tinkster tinkster. Is that I just I was hoping one to one I just get one do one let's all party together <laughs> <laughs> go home with one in one person I don't care who it is yeah. but a, a one sorry the, we have to have fun still right <laughs> um, uh, but Dr. Danny correct me if I'm wrong from everything you said that was very great to hear I took from it trying my what I'm doing now during the day but a one to one at night before I go to bed. Yeah, and I would say just do it under medical supervision, because if that's the history, you want someone being able to monitor from an objective point of view. So when I prescribe for patients with that kind of history, I'm monitoring them really closely, um, what's going on, what's going on with their cravings. Um, oh, don't worry, I'll Skype you tomorrow. Have <laughs> yeah, I'll try other, it tonight other, and Skype you um, later. Other people yeah. involved, they usually, I always have to uh, usually have a psychi- psychiatrist assess them as well. So I'm really careful because... Um, of course, everyone has a different threshold. I have colleagues who are a little bit more cavalier, but they have had the occasional not so good outcome. Um, it's not common, but I am much more conservative, I think. Um, but I've never had someone um, get addicted to the medical cannabis I prescribed for them. So um, everyone has their own way of practicing, but that's my way to be very cautious, keep the CBD really high. So even if you add THC, still really keep the CBD really high dose because it seems to buffer that kind of um, addictive response. You know, one of the things that I, I was always, uh, you know, telling Joe is I think he should, if he does, do, it's just micro dose, you know, come in very, very, very slow, very, very slow, very, very slow. Yeah. I like the thing at night because it makes sense if I still stay high on the CBD all day like I do 
And then I just take it at night, which will help me go to bed because I, I have a hard time going to sleep at night as well. Right. So that would be, I think that's a, that's a great advice, actually. But, but I think, again... But I think the point is, though, that the slow, slow release is not necessarily going to help you sleep. I may be wrong, but you're getting the, you're getting the, the medicinal value of the THC that's not getting you high. Right, because exactly. you're going to sleep. You know, and I'd be very. It can care- be both, actually, because THC can be more sedative for many people. Um, but some people, it's the strain effect as well. So, for example, if you end up trying this strategy and you try a one-to-one from a certain strain and you feel wired, it might be the terpene profile. It might be the other cannabinoids in there because we don't know everything yet. So, I- I've had that happen to patients. So I always tell or them, sativa. listen, this should be calming. But if it, you feel wired, you need to come back and tell me because you just switch the strain. Right. Well, guys, it's Cannabis Talk 101. We're talking to Dr. Danny Gordon, the world-famous Dr. Danny Gordon, and we'll be right back after this break. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Welcome back to Cannabis Talk 101. Here with Joe Grande, Blue, me and my brother, the Pop Brothers at Law, and Dr. Danny Gordon with a great interview so far. She's the oh, author of the, uh, of the CBD Bible. Bible. The CBD Bible. And, and, and she's from a what doctor we, all this and cannabis from what we're stuff, hearing, From what we're hearing from her, she has every right to write the CBD Bible. I mean, she speaks truth. Not only that, she was the youngest doctor to become the American Board Certified and Integrated in Holistic Medicine. She joins cannabis from anecdotal evidence. And because of this anecdotal evidence right now, I'm about to point out to you, Dr. Danny, 
You heard me just say, Mark, bring us back in. But Mark's already smoked three joints during this interview when we're doing this. Do you think this anecdotal evidence proves... Hold on, Mark. Don't make me turn you off. Don't make me turn you off, please. So I'm asking you, Dr. Danny, do you think he's either stupid, deaf, or because he smoked three joints, he didn't comprehend when I said... Mark, no, bring us back. No, that he normally. Hold, I'm talking no. to Dr. Danny. No, Mark. Hey, hey, hey. Language, language. Moron, Little brother, language. Can I talk to Dr. Danny and ask her a question? So I'm asking you, Dr. Danny, what you just witnessed. Do you think <laughs> that that was because? You know what? You know what, Joe? I I, I want to let me ask Dr. Danny this. I, I want to know her answer. What, what? How old were you when you started? When I started in medicine, yeah. I, I, well, my first degree I started when I was 17. Wow. Um, and then I got into medical school when I was Show off. 20, just turning 21. <laughs> so I started yeah. pretty early. Wow. Yeah. How did you wow. get involved in becoming a doctor so young? Where did this drive come from? I don't know. I was a weird kid. I was always really driven. Um, yeah, I was, I was that weird, nerdy kid. <laughs> you know, I want to ask you something. Awesome, though. But before, before we get to the high five, I want to ask you a question for myself and a lot of our listeners. If I want to get CBD, you know, hemp-derived CBD, which you can get anywhere, everywhere, all over the world. How do I look to see if it's good or if it's if it's snake oil, if it's, you know, how, there's no real best practices, I don't think. It all works for me. So how, how do you know you're getting something that's, you know, that's decent or good or, or is there top shelf? Yeah. yeah, I always tell people, and I talk about this a lot in the book, because it is a question that's so important. And it's, it's a tricky one because, you know, there's a lot of brands that do things really well but there's a lot of brands that don't. So the safest thing to do is look for what's called a COA from a product, a certificate of analysis, which means that that product has been tested by a third party, um, independent scientific laboratory to say, hey, yes, it has this much CBD in it, just like we said it did. And it doesn't have any of this other stuff that we said it didn't have in it, like heavy metals or high THC, if you're looking for a hemp product, for example, um, and just choose a reputable brand and look for those things. What, well, one more question. How did the, now I don't know if it affects you where you are over where you are, but the DEA changed the rules on hemp here in Calif- in, in the United States. Have you heard about that? I don't, I can't say I know much about that at the moment. No, because it's different over here and different in Canada as well. They're, they're counting the, I think it's the, the tetra- forget about the Mark, do you know it? Yeah. The Delta eight. Yeah. They're counting. Oh, they're counting down to eight now as, as, um, an illegal, um, class one. Correct. Right. Which, which actually so gets people over a lot of the 0.03s where the Delta eight wasn't counted. 0.3. Big brother, yeah. point, three. point three. Yeah, Delta Eight's huge right now. Yeah. I mean, in, in smoke shops, it's everywhere, and it's getting people completely high. And um, I'm sure there's a lot of what medical. Is? Delta Eight? No. Delta Eight doesn't uh, get you so, high, does it? So del- oh, Delta oh, it Eight you- is mildly more. It's psycho well, psychomimetic, which is a really scientific, fancy word of saying it can make you feel high. Oh, for um, sure. But of course, that's really subjective, and it's it's less strong than Delta Nine. Um, oh, Delta so Nine is the one that's going yeah. everywhere. Yeah, you're right. It's actually Delta Nine that that they're selling it everywhere now. Oh, yeah, Delta Nine is now being sold all throughout like smoke shops everywhere here locally. How do you take it? 
liquid? No, oh, is delta, it the delta nine is THC. Is THC. As you I'm know sorry. Yes. Yeah, delta so A is the metabolite of THC that is now. It sounds like the DA is taking issue with. That's more mildly psychomimetic. Yes. Uh, psychoactive. Well, they're all psychoactive, so psychomimetic. Um, but it. Um, yeah. I mean, it's. Who knows what's going to happen with this legislation? I mean, in Europe right now, they're talking about making CBD uh, classes are, are narcotic again, which oh. is completely insane. Oh, <laughs> insane. It's all over the world. It's insane. And so it just helps everybody out. We're talking to Dr. Danny Gordon, her book, The CBD Bible. I'm just curious, Dr. Danny Gordon, as you're in London, you grew up in Germany, all the studies that we've been seeing coming oh, out of- in Canada. Israel, oh, listen, Canada. you lived in Canada. Canada. Come on, Joe. Oh, you live in Canada now. My bad. I thought you No, were... she grew up in Canada. Sorry. Grew up I, in Canada. Oh, I actually Welcome. grew up in the U.S., but I'm from Canada. My medical practice is there. I'm a transplant, but yes. Okay, <laughs> so my question is, though, all this research that's been going on in Israel and all the research that you've done for the CBD Bible, how do you utilize and look at all that stuff? Because from our standpoint, I would say everybody on our team is amazed by what Israel is doing and how they are, in our opinion, the forefront of what research is, but yet, of course, in America, and I don't know what they do there in London or Europe, for that matter, do they take Israel's research into consideration, and what is your thoughts on it? It's a great question. There's so much great research coming out of Israel, and the nice thing about what we're seeing there is they're allowing a lot of these clinical teaching hospitals to become involved so you have access to patients. So it's really a partnership between industry who are making the products and the academic groups and then the hospitals. So they're getting a lot of clinical uh, data, which is so valuable. So I, yes, I value that uh, so much. Now in the UK, what we're seeing legislatively on the legal side and on the government side is there's a bit of an obsession around UK data so if a study is done in Germany or it's done in Israel, then they, they don't take as much into consideration with some of these, um, uh, these government bodies that are, you know, trying to, we're trying to get them to regulate, you know, to allow it as a, as a medicine and prescribed on the public system, for example. So um, my answer is any good research should be considered no matter what country is doing it. Um, but some jurisdictions prefer their own uh, studies from their own area first. Well, guys, it's Cannabis Talk 101, and it's time for the high five. Yes, it is. And uh, I got to tell you, Dr. Danny Gordon, everything you've been saying has been so interesting. And uh, knowing that you're the youngest doctor to do that, I like how you called yourself a nerd like that. I think that's cool. I think it's inspiring <laughs> for a lot of people out there, let alone young ladies, to uh, go out there and, and learn as much as you can and, you know, get some more research because, you know, I think the research is the key. Once we have that research, yeah. that's what's going to change it all for us. And now it's time for the high five with Dr. Danny. Question number Number one, how old are you? The how old were you the first time you smoked weed, and where'd you get it from? <laughs> oh, I knew I was going to get this question on here. The first time, <laughs> excuse me, the first time I smoked weed, I was. Let me think. I have to really think about this. Twenty-two, twenty-two. Ah. Um, and this, I know it's shocking. But I, you got to remember, I grew up in the States in the war on drugs era. So I was petrified of cannabis. Oh, really? Um, and all my friends smoked cannabis in high school. I was one of the only ones, but I was a nerd. What so state? I, was afraid I mean, it what was city? Damage my brain. Where, where'd you grow up? In California? I uh, know. I grew up in Myrtle Beach in South Carolina. Oh, we were wow. We're all yeah. messed up. We don't know where she's from. California, Myrtle Beach, Canada, yeah, Myrtle Beach. They're, they're, they're whatever. The time. <laughs> you look like a California girl. Oh, and where'd you get it from? 
I got it from, well, I don't know if I said, I got it from a friend. I'm not going to out her. <laughs> ah, <laughs> very nice. Put her but on I got blast. It from a friend who, she, she was just like, I can't believe you've never tried cannabis. This is ridiculous. So she's like, come over. I'm going to roll us a joint and we're going to watch Sex in the City. And so we did. And of course, I just laughed the whole time and I thought it was great. But it's funny. I never really, I didn't do it again for years. Um, I just not really into recreational cannabis. It was fun. And I could understand how people liked it. We ate some chips. Like it was very stereotypical. We ate potato chips and we yeah. watched. We'll get to uh, that next. For yeah, exactly. hours. Question. Um, <laughs> and the reason she was using it actually is because she had an autoimmune uh, condition and she was finding it was helping her inflammation. And this is before we really knew any of that stuff. She was just oh. like, I really find it helps. Like my, I think it helps my joints. That's great. So um, yeah, that was my first experience smoking nice. cannabis. And, you know, since then, it's honestly, I've only tried TH, I've only smoked THC cannabis a few times. I can honestly say that. I know it sounds so boring. Um, no, it's all good. But, but for but me, that, that, you know, I'm just not, I'm not drawn to THC as a substance necessarily. Um, but I have friends who just love it. They use it instead of alcohol. And yeah, I think yeah. it has less harmful effects on the brain than alcohol. So oh, you know, I'm not against it. That's what Mark, Mark <laughs> was drinking a lot of alcohol and he, now her. he just smokes more. Question number two. When you do use cannabis, what's your favorite way to do it? Oh, sorry. When I do use cannabis? Yeah. Um, I would say, I, well, I use CBD oil. Um, mm, what's my favorite way? It depends, I guess. So topically, I actually like the stuff with CBD and THC for my hand, but I can't get it in the UK. Oh. So when I'm in North America, I use a topical with both. Um, in the UK, I use hemp products because they're just legal here. Um and same with, you know, for stress, like if I'm having a particularly heavy week, um, I find a really good dose of CBD, even from hemp, is really helpful. And I use it before I start meditating. So I have a meditation practice. Um, it sounds very boring, but that is basically how I use it. Um, and as far as other times I've used THC, the few times I have found it really helpful is when I've flown uh, across the pond over to North America, uh, to the States. And... I found when it's the jet lag situation, a little bit of a THC edible is really, really helpful for me for jet lag. It just helps me fall asleep. Um, so that's the other way I've used on the THC side before. Very good. Question number three of the high five with Dr. Danny Gordon. Craziest place you've ever used or smoked cannabis? <laughs> Well, I have to say I'm not really kind of a smoker. So, gosh, I'm trying used to think. It, used it or smoked it? Used it or smoked it. Craziest um, place. I would say probably at the medical conference because when I got the sample nice. of the of the one. topical in California, which was legal, I was putting it on my hand as I was, you know, at this really conventional medical conference for a week and um, I was telling everyone about it. And yeah, I, I guess that's kind of crazy because I was the only one using it. It kind of smelled pretty cannabis-y. <laughs> the only doctor there going, wait a minute, are you smoking? <laughs> Dr. Danny Gordon, double board certified medical doctor. Question number four of the Cannabis Talk 101 High Five. What is your go-to munchies when you get high? Oh, well, my go-to munchies in general, I would say, rather than being high, because it's so few and far between, I would have to say Ben & Jerry's uh, vegan ice cream with mm. the, the brownie pieces. 
Nice. Vegan. With the brownie pieces. I love it. And now with the, the pregnancy ba- munchies. Exactly. I was just going to say the pregnancy munchies. munchies got you eating that more often than not nowadays. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like every day. Congratulations on that yeah, as well. Good luck on the boy baby. or girl? It's a boy. Yay. Are you naming them blue? <laughs> uh we we do have the name but uh we're keeping it a bit quiet because it's a bit of a hippie name so we don't want any oh, like it. from the family until it, until it's already too late you see oh, awesome well don't do a reveal party where you have an electronic thing because out here in california that caused the biggest fire ever they had a it's going on right now oh, yes. a huge did you I, guys I see it out there this. This yeah is awful. from a reveal party of a <laughs> the birth of the baby what happened that's, that's the big fire that's going on but how did, how did it create the, the they had a reveal like a machine that went yeah, off something and went off in the, and you type oh my goodness a fireworks no, fire from it. yeah crazy question number five. five with dr danny gordon if you could smoke weed with anyone dead, dead or alive Ooh. who would it be and why oh man this is a good one. Oh, who am i gonna choose do they have to? Does the other person have to smoke weed or can no? You can give me anybody, whatever. They could be dead, alive, smoke, whatever. <laughs> anybody alive. I would love to smoke weed with Albert Einstein if I yes. had to choose, because I'm a huge science nerd, and you know a lot of his discoveries supposedly were potentially psychedelically induced, not probably with cannabis, but potentially with LSD or something else, <laughs> um, which is another area of interest for me is uh, psychedelic medicine. So that nice. would be my choice. Nice. Yeah, Those are nice. great. I, you know, and I got another question going back to just, you know, your book and, and all the research that you've done, because your book, for those who are interested, you can go out and check out our book called The CBD Bible, and you can find it on Amazon or wherever you get your books at. But once again, The CBD Bible. In your research and stuff that you've done, have you noticed anybody that overconsumes cannabis and it doesn't affect them the same way? Definitely. Some people just have different thresholds. So, some person can consume the same amount of grams per day and be intoxicated or have um, potentially an unhealthy relationship with cannabis. And then the next person can consume the same amount and feel that it makes them function <coughs> more normally. And a lot of times it's the really bad chronic pain patients or patients who are potentially not neurologically, um, I say normal, but you know, yeah, what we've considered medically normalized that feel more normal Mark. when they smoke cannabis. So if someone's doing 5,000 milligrams a day, to go to bed, would that be something that they should just consistently go higher on or something that is normal? I start with one milligram to two milligrams, <laughs> one milligram in, in, older, um, in like older adults, uh, like over the age of 65, but two milligrams in adults. Well, I have a friend so should, that's so, just so, under 65. So someone, someone, doing all, someone doing that high levels every day is, we, I, we've heard people talk about reset, reset your body. Um, does it really help to like not smoke for three, four days and and yeah, of course. yeah. There, there's there's washout protocols which um, would take me an hour to go into, but basically, the more you smoke more consistently, it takes longer for your body to get rid of the THC. So if if um, you know if I smoke THC because I barely ever smoke it, it would just leave my body a lot faster than someone who smokes it every day, um, which. Of course, I always I get the occasional call over here with someone who's flown to the um, to the United Arab Emirates or something terrible, and they smoked cannabis maybe at a party twenty days ago, and they just got tested at the airport. And it's still in their bloodstream, and they're arrested. So it's so um, wow. variable. They test. You, wait a minute. They test you at the airport. If you get 
taken aside, you can be tested in a lot of. Um, and if you Arab have it in your system, wow, you're, you're I'm, not going, I'm not going there. Wait a second, you're arrested <laughs> if, you, if it's in your Arab system. Co- that's an Arab country. Oh, yeah. That's in an Arab country, so there's different laws over there. So of course, when it don't comes go to my blue. Patients, wow, um, <laughs> I never really heard of that. Patients, Little brother I'm can't go anywhere counting. ever. Yeah, I'm always counseling them um, on their travel. And these are the legal things we have to make our patients aware of, unfortunately. As you point that out and as you mentioned the reset, and I'm just wondering, Danny, when you've had any patients that have researched or did, did the research on the reset, has there been any type of protocols that they have any type of, you know, jonesing, uh, relapse feeling? Like, is there uh, something that have happened to these withdrawals? Thank you. Anything like that? Yeah, there is a cannabis withdrawal syndrome. Um, it usually comes from THC and it's variable from person to person. It usually doesn't last anywhere longer than 14 days, Ooh. usually seven in light occasional users, but it can make people feel irritable, have more trouble sleeping. Um, so yeah, it's part of the discussion when I when I give someone medical cannabis that that can happen. Because we have to remember, just because it's natural, I mean, belladonna is natural. There's lots of natural things that can kill you. So um, I think it's important to be really transparent, you know, with people that this, of course, there's going to be potential downsides, especially when you start pushing the THC higher. Well, Mark, I hope that was beneficial to hear about a friend of mine. Well, doctor, you know, I, I, before we get out of here, you know, we, first of all, I want to thank you for being on the show and sharing so much education and, and all the, the research you've done and, and, and dealing with your patients and, and congratulations on your book and, and obviously your, your newborn. I'm, we're excited to, to, to hear soon to be new blue, you know, your, your new child, baby blue in London, baby blue out of London. (laughs) (laughs) Um, is there anything else that you'd like to, uh, you know, get out there to the audience before we, we let you go here? I think we covered most of it, but just thank you so much for having me, guys. It was such a fun show. Absolutely. And I I hope you spread the word out there in London because we're very well listened to in the UK. So we're looking for you to, you know, branch us out even more. Well, actually, one of my friends has just launched a new project that I am advising on um, called CanCard. So I actually told her to reach out to you. So she's basically working with the police commissioner, with one of our MPs over here, with a few of us doctors to help patients who have to criminalize themselves basically to access cannabis illegally for a medical purpose to not be arrested. So yeah, I told her we're going to spread the word. Nice. (laughs) Fantastic. You have a great rest of the day out there. Well, thank you for joining us. Our night. Or night. You guys too. Well, thank you for joining us. It's Cannabis Talk 101. Remember this. If no one else loves you, we do. Thanks for listening to another podcast of Cannabis Talk 101, the world's number one source for everything cannabis. Featuring Dr. Danny Gordon, author of the CBD Bible. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.